Welcome to CX and Chill, the real raw customer experience podcast from Exo Studios. Listen in as today's host, Stephanie Todd, talks with CEO and call center guy, Sean McCreary of ExtendOps. Join this dynamic duo as they discuss the importance of building trust and relationships within a team, the role of organizational and industrial psychology in CX, and the use of technology to empower employees and make their lives better. Enjoy. So there's a lot of people I work with at really every level of the organization. One for me, I want to stay always close to the front lines as much as you can, just have context as to what's going on. So, I mean, to me, that's always been really important. But I think also, too, is like you want to create an environment which people, like, and it's actually, you know, you see the whole stay well behind us, right? It's like, stay well, like, we like the party. I mean, to be clear, we like the party. Like, we like to have a good time. Like, when you win, you want to celebrate, right? And I like to win and we celebrate. But to me, stay well is much bigger, right? It's like, it's be yourself, right? Be comfortable being who you are, right? Like, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what you choose to do in life or who you are, right? It's all about, for me at the end of the day, it's, you know, how do you do your job? Welcome to CX and Chill. I'm Stephanie Todd. I'm here with Sean McCreary, and we're excited to start talking about your founder story and tell us all about how we met, how, you know, we went from meeting on an escalator at CCW, hearing from a client reference how amazing you and the company are, and to kind of where you are today. So, well, it was an escalator too, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I made you pull out your AirPods. It was like halfway through the escalator. Yeah, I remember that. I leaned over and I saw you and I'm like, are you Sean? You like pulled your earbud out and you're like... I know, I knew, I knew who you were. Then. Oh, Yeah, okay. no, I knew who you were before. Okay. So. It wasn't too awkward. Yeah, so. I know. We had a mutual connection who said I had to meet you guys when, when I was out there. And very impressed ever since. It was, it was, I think it was, I think we philosophically were very aligned from the very beginning, yeah. which was good. So yeah. it's it's refreshing to find I think in this industry too. For sure, I think in the industry itself, it's very, it's what 40, 50 years old, and you find that most companies started then and just have acquired and haven't really. There's been a couple players who started, got their ground up from the ground up, and then have kind of changed based on what shareholders or VCs, PEs have kind of driven them to do versus what you're really focused on. So if we back up the founder story, first business you ever started, second grade. Second grade. It could be third grade, but I think it was second grade. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason I'm a big fan of skeletons, right? I love Mm -hmm. the skulls and stuff like that. Now, skulls kind of represent like fearlessness and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So, I mean... I think in starting a business, you have to be pretty fearless. You have to be afraid of pretty much losing everything. Um, but yeah, so, you know, business in second grade, haunted house. And it was a great, it was actually really great for me because, you know, my parents subsidized the whole thing. They bought everything. And then I charged all my classmates, you know, money and I got to keep it all. So it was incredibly profitable for me overall. I'm not sure what, you know, what that looked like though. Yeah. And then... You know, forwarding time, you got into bio, you were in very different industries, med school, and then you ended up back with your parents maybe subsidizing. How did that go? Yeah, so my, you know, my dad's a doctor, and that was sort of what I was supposed to do in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, went to Johns Hopkins, did the whole show, and it wasn't really for me. So I ended up being sort of a failure for the family to an extent. I mean, granted, I got into the business side of science, but it wasn't quite being a doctor. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was, I was doing that and that was good. It was enjoyable. I mean, I got a lot of experiences too on the, you know, I pivoted from like being biotech pharma to more on like the data science side of it all. And so I gained an appreciation for just professional services and working with different teams. And the company I was at when I got into services was very global. Um, I was with Thompson Reuters at the time. So we had, you know, more or less teams in 
every country that I was working with. So I gained an appreciation for that. And then, and then somehow I got into the world that is BPO. Um, my How best- did you make that pivot? Like what was, was it the global background or experience you had at Thomson Reuters or like what made you jump into that? It was my best friend from college. Um, I met up with him at our 10 year anniversary um, uh, at, at school. Um, and he is telling me about call center. I'm like, and he's like, yeah, I got a, you know, I have a call center in the Philippines. I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what is that? Like, I had never really ever thought of anything like that or known anything about, and he mentioned BPO. I'm like, what does that stand for? Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty funny, actually, my, like what actually prompted it all is like my, my wife's like, oh, I, I want to like, she's like, I want to do something like, and she's like, I'm going to call, you know, my friend mm-hmm. and she called him and like my friend started asking serious questions and then the phone was given to me and that's when I started talking to him and that's when we decided to go the whole 10 year anniversary. So that's sort of what prompted, I guess, my move into to all of this. And then, yeah, I jumped right in, um, after a few conversations with him and, um, you know, got my first experience with like a smaller BPO just in Philippines. And I think they're, you know, I got to experience pretty quickly, like scaling super fast and like what works and what doesn't. And, you know, from there, you know, I sort of decided to do my own thing. And, um, I I think for me, what was clear just going to like the Philippines for the first time was, I mean, I was pretty blown away when I sat in the room. I always tell the story, like I go out there and this is like coming off of like when I was more like on the consulting side of things, right. I was in New York working with different teams. I'd never really been out of the country with the exception of Amsterdam, I think, and some, you know, more beachy locations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I went went out there, I, I went into, you know, I went into the office and our office, like at the time that the old company was, I mean, I, I swear, like there was a security guard in the stairwell. Like that was like the stairwell was like a makeshift security guard stand. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the security guard had a gun and everything. I'm like, what am I going into here? Is And like walk around the office and there's plastic chairs and it was, um, but that was sort of my first experience at a different company into it all. And like. I mean, but then I would, so, you know, you, you see all that and you sort of have an, you know, uh, an expectation of what that's going to look like. And I went to the conference room and I, I sat down and, you know, and we were, it was, I think it was for uh, an outbound campaign and it was sort of a brainstorm session, right? They're talking strategy and I'm sitting there just like quietly in the back, you know, I'm just meeting them for the first time. And I was blown away by the, the ty- like the level of conversation that was being had, the types of ideas that was being thrown out there, right? People were, you know, debating with one another, but also we're very respectful at the same time. Like, oh my God, like people are legit, like the talent is legit here. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I mean, since then I was sold. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm just like, you know, it's like walking around the office more, getting a feel for it. It was, it was pretty clear. Like, like the team cared about like being family there and being near each other and like working with each other and doing something awesome. And since, I mean, granted, I mean, <laughs> it was pretty obvious to me, you needed to significantly upgrade the workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, I think how that company approached it, you know, wasn't probably the best way to do that. But, um, but, but, but it showed me that, it, you know, stuff like the office space isn't as important as like, I think helping people ha- take on bigger roles, you know, and like the whole, like, and empowerment such a big theme for our company now. So anyways, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'm going long on this question here, but. No, but you've come a long way. It's been a long journey and obviously you've left out lots of parts of the trials and tribulations and challenges and everything. But you've, I think that was what most attracted me too to extend ops and what your whole vision was. Yeah. was it wasn't just a labor arbitrage play. You weren't yeah. just going to find cheaper talent or spend less money on people. It was really, where can you find talented people 
and help them grow because you know call center careers generally aren't out in always career but mm -hmm. you can grow into different roles from a frontline agent or whatever up but totally. do you want to talk a little bit about your vision around the people side and the talent in comparison to most what people consider from a BPO standpoint, because I think it's very different. Yeah. I mean, I think in this, like, I, I, I've had the luxury of spending a lot of time in country. When I first started the company, I was going to the Philippines every six weeks, you know, last year, actually last two years, I think I've spent a third of a third of my time in Mexico. And, and for me, like my big belief was like, and I learned this in the Philippines early on is that you have to build trust and you, it's really hard to build that trust remotely. You have to be there in person. You have to get to really, truly know people. Like I've spent time at agents' houses, lots of different dinners, Mexico. I get, I've got my hair cut at a few different, you know, uh, agents' houses, but uh, I think you got to really, I think trust is sort of a two way street you have to, I mean, you have, and you have to earn that trust from the different countries and obviously they have to earn it from you and, you know, and just sort of getting to understand the people better. Like, this industry it has a heavily transactional mindset, right? It's like, oh, like this job pays a little bit more. There's, there's no brand loyalty. People will move to that next job because all these companies, I don't think necessarily treat people the way they should. People are seen more as numbers, right? A lot of these larger companies are in margin optimization mode. So, you know, for me, it's like, you know, how do we shift that mentality from one that's highly transactional to one that's more career oriented? Like you can come here, you can grow here, we'll take care of you. And I, I think the whole sort of premise, like, with the whole business of the company, like, like this is a really hard, like BPO is a really hard space to break into mm -hmm. because you need money, you need infrastructure in foreign countries and you kind of need clients too, mm -hmm. right? You need someone to pay, you know, to pay invoices. And I mean, the reality is the multiple, the return in the services industry just isn't, you know, where a lot of investment firms, they don't want it. They, like, it's not, you're not like investment capital is not going to follow this space. Yeah. Too and high of a risk. It's just too yeah. high a risk and the ROI isn't there. So you're sort of on your own. And so for me, right, I had to bootstrap this thing. I had, uh, and, you know, and, and in funding it myself, like you're fairly restrained in terms of the personnel you can bring, right? It's sort of a theoretical, it's an idea and you're trying to make people believe in what you're trying to do, but you also have no investment capital really backing it, right? So mm -hmm. you're really just as good as your word. So, you know, for me though, like what I believed in was it, it, this whole, like the company was again, founded on this idea of empowerment. And we were more or less kind of forced into it because we didn't have the capital to bring a lot of U.S. people. And we had to rely on our people at the country level to really come in and take and fill big roles. And that's what we initially did in Philippines. So, you know, for each of our accounts, our Philippines team was we're running those, you know, through and through. And I would, you know, lean in. I would help them. And, you know, for me, like I like since that very first time with the Philippines, I very much believed that model would work because I think a lot. And what I've learned with a lot of companies here is they'll sort of hide They'll hide the agents, mm -hmm. right? They'll sort of put the right agents in front of customers when customers are there. And I think when you're really confident in your product, right, and you're really confident in, in the service you provide, let that show and, mm -hmm. and provide it unfiltered. And, and for me, like, I was really confident in some of the people we had, especially the individuals that were in client-facing roles. And I'm like, guys, like, you're, you're very good at your role. Here's an opportunity. Like, mm -hmm. let's see what we can make of it. And, you know, they proved, they proved all of us right that this would work. And, I mean, for me, that's always made me a believer is that the company was really founded on this, you know, idea of empowerment because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we didn't really have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I also very much believe that that could work. And, you know, what was great is, you know, when we started it, we had three smaller clients. And so we were, I was able to test that theory, kind of that, you know, hypothesis, if you will, right away. And it worked right mm -hmm. away. And... I think what's cool too is the relationship you team you see your team start forming with that client. And you know, I think it's all about like how do you move from being a partner 
right? Are moving from being a vendor to a partner. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt that, you know, by really putting our agents there direct, you know, with our clients really, I think accelerated that process and, and really showed that there was a lot of trust all across the board. Yeah. And when I visited locations, when you're with clients, extend ops team, whether they're agents or up to the C-suite, I can't even tell who is who. Yeah. So that's where you see the blending come in where I've seen, I'm like, is this a yeah. client or an agent or whomever? Yeah. Because everyone works so well together. And I think every BPO talks about, oh, we have the best culture. And it, it's really hard for people to feel that, especially when there's a little bit of that uh, smoke and mirrors of we're going to put our best people in front of you in focus groups and have some scripts or ideas of what we're telling them to say. Yeah. And for me, it was also when a, when a prospect had been interviewing re client references and had said, are you paying your references? Because most BPOs do not get the glowing reviews or it's, you know, one or two people who are very prompted to, of what to say. Yeah. And you have clients talking about extend ops in ways where they've never heard that before because it's truly a blend of teams versus an extension or someone who's, you know, down across the street in a different building, it feels like it's all one, one big group. Yep. Yeah. It has to be right. I mean, I, I, like I've always been a big believer in a very like kind of flat hierarchy within an organization. And I mean, it, it's also like, you know, giving people the opportunity to interact with people they never thought. So there's a lot of people I work with at really every level of the organization. One for me, I want to stay always close to the front line as, as much yeah. as you can just to have context as to what's going on. So, I mean, to me, that's always been really important. But I think also, too, is like you want to create an environment which people like and it's actually, you know, you see the whole stay well behind yeah. us. Right. And yeah. It's like stay well. Like we like the party. I mean, to be clear, we like the party. Like we like to have a good time. <laughs> like when you win, you want to celebrate. Right. And I like to win and we celebrate. But to me, stay well. It's much bigger. Right. It's like it's be yourself. Right. Be comfortable being who you are. Right. Like, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what you choose to do in life or who you are. Right. It's all about for me at the end of the day, it's, you know, how do you do your job? Right. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, I think it's creating that environment where people are comfortable being who they are. And I mean, when you do that and you create that, right, it's not only will people be the best version of themselves and mm -hmm. do great work, but I think the creativity, the different ideas that come out, right, people are, people feel they're in a safe space and they're willing to contribute in ways that they've never really been able to before. And especially in this industry where it's very, you know, like you said, very scripted, right? Mm -hmm. And like certain pieces are hidden, some pieces are shared and it's, it's, I mean, individuals don't feel that they're really an environment in which they can be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, so for us too, it's, it's, it's like, I see a huge opportunity just in terms of bringing people into our culture, right. To our environment. And I think, I think, I think a lot of people have seen like, wow, like this is a place where I can actually, you know, rely on or let or be who I am and be successful. Mm -hmm. And it's cool. It's cool seeing people evolve and sort of move up within our business. Yeah. Well, and kind of touching on what you were saying earlier, where you have, generally speaking, heavy leadership levels in the U.S. And being that you trust and you put that career opportunity and people can see that you're truly putting that into the local levels. And it's yeah. not just from even talent and growth, but it's also some of the technology you're building, mm -hmm. what you're doing for some of your you know, marketing, memo TV, some of that exciting stuff where you're truly empowering people. And it's not just, you know, that you know, scripted, fake, you know, promise that doesn't actually live to reality, but putting that into people. And so kind of like looking at that whole aspect of it, is there like, 
when you look at it and you look at the talent, like with the technology behind the talent with assessments and things that are being built, is that what really differentiates in terms of how you continue to make them feel like there's continuous growth and like career pathing? I mean, I think this industry, everyone, it's, it's a very me too industry, right? So everyone's like, we have the best people process, you know, and we pair it with tech. Like literally everyone says that. And it's yeah. like, to me, I'm like, how do you quantify that? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what does that even mean? And, and for me, it's a matter of like, all right, how do we figure out a way? Like, what do we, or what do we do that's good, right? Or different or that our clients aren't able to do. And it's the reality is we have, you know, know how in the different spaces that we operate in. We under, we have, you know, different teams that know how to recruit, right? They know how to train. And, and so for me, it was leaning in on that and going, mm-hmm. all right, like, let, how do we, you know, leverage that in-country expertise and really identify the best types of people, right? And identify people that have high potential. I think even in this industry too, I think, you know, agents that are considered good are usually the ones that are more tenured, right? So experience is usually associated with how good someone is. And I don't, I've never believed that. I think it's all about, I mean, uh, and that's what we sort of have approached with assessments and stuff like that, where, I mean, it needs to be more data-driven. It needs to be performance-driven. And that more or less will tell us, you know, how good someone is or how much potential they have, you know, career-wise. And uh, I think, you know, what we've tried to do is, you know, create the space where people, I mean, it, it, like my, even I look at my background, I have a very, like, very sales business development background. And, you know, for me, like, what always motivated me was I knew if I did a good job, right, that I had potential to, you know, make more money, right, mm-hmm. or I had potential to get promoted quickly. And it was pretty black and white, right? It was like, you either hit your number or you don't, right? I mean, granted, there's always a story behind, you know, if you do or you don't. Yeah. And, and for me, it's a matter of, like, how do you bring that sort of, you know, same performance-driven culture to the mix where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the kiss ass that's like, you know, the one telling everyone what they want to hear, or if you're the, the really quiet one that doesn't really talk mm-hmm. much. I mean, performance is performance. And I think different people, you know, are, you know, based on their skill sets are, you know, positioned to do different things. And it's a matter of, you know, helping them, you know, like identifying that in a data-driven way and then helping them, you know, pursue that path. Yeah. No, and I think that's great. And even just some of what I've seen, like at CCW, I heard you build an amazing culture. And for me, I'm always looking because I have a very biased eye after I mean, I don't want to age myself, but almost 20 years in BPO, which I always joke. I'm like, who dreamed of being in call centers? And and now I have an appreciation for it because I don't think people understand just the vast knowledge, the cultural learnings, things that you get from the call center industry. I've worked across every industry vertical. You understand businesses, what the problems are, what exists, what, you know, changing metrics or data points. But I think it's also learning from a localized level, things that you wouldn't know in other companies potentially Mm -hmm. of what happens in some of the countries in terms of politics or you know what I've really loved are some of the events that your team puts on Mm -hmm. that isn't a just a fancy dinner and something it's really going and diving into localized culture that the agents experience so you can really feel part of the team and understand Mm -hmm. what they like to do what they experience and just actually appreciate some of their cultural you know, learnings or events and um, holidays and everything as well. And then bringing some of those agents into it too, who are some of those top performers so they can all experience it together. But what was like grabbing the events and some of the parties and that aspect of it, the cultural side of really empowering people and kind of merging that together, was that always like a plan? And, or how did the, the events like the Lucha Libre and some of the big events, the whale sharks, I think that was probably one of the best video- photos of you as an, like, as an ex with the big logo on the boat yeah. and everything. I think like I've gotten to, uh, you know, like I was sort of saying before, like 
I've had an extremely unique experience getting to do this. Not many people my age get to go spend every six weeks in the Philippines or spend a third of the year in Mexico. And so, you know, truly getting to spend a lot of time with the different people, right? Getting to experience the different cultures, right? The different events, the different restaurants, the different food, all of it is Mm -hmm. like, I've got to see how great people are, right? Like in a very unfiltered, pure way, right? And, you know, I've started these operations hand-on-hand with different country-level teams. It was me. Like, I was in the office with our Philippines team when we started. In Mexico, I was in Monterey with our team getting things started. And, uh, I mean, what I really wanted to show with, uh, share with everybody was what I got to see, right? Mm-hmm. And I got to see it in a super unique, different way. And, you know, what's the, like, and I think you see a lot of companies and they talk about culture, right? And you see a lot of companies and how they nest, how they sort of market it. And it's, they take pictures of people smiling with their hands up and stuff like that, but it seems very staged. It's not very true. It's not authentic. And, you know, for me, I just thought there was so much we can do from a content standpoint in terms of telling the story. Right. And I think we're in a really unique position as a company where, you know, we haven't taken money yet. We're scaling really quickly. Right. We have awesome clients where we, and and the reason we're here is because of our people. I mean, that's like, I mean, we still have an incredibly low head ca- US headcount ratio to like just overall, you know, like headcount ratio in all the different countries. And I mean, that's something that's gonna continue to power this company and power this business, right? Is is that that idea that it's really the people that are making this all happen. So, I mean, the events to me were really just a, an opportunity to, I mean, like showcase I think what we're doing in different countries, right? And like doing the events in a way too, where, you know, it's, you know, you have to have the commercial aspect of it all, like where like or the business aspect where you're going to the different locations, right? You're, you're walking the sites, you're at, you're doing, you know, different little, you know, round tables and stuff like that. But also, you know, my thought was, you know, experiencing some of the fun, right? Some of the mm-hmm. culture. And I think when you do that too, you also put everyone, like you put a lot of uh, the in-country individuals, you know, kind of in their like comfort zone. And, mm-hmm they are in the best position to sort of showcase who they really are. And also to educate people like our clients that come and they've never been to Mexico before. And I think for me, the whole educational like experience too, of just like Mm -hmm. being in country and learning new things. Like I grew up in a, I mean, I was blessed with tons of opportunities, but I was in a, I was, I grew up in a very sheltered environment. So I, I mean, just this whole thing has taught me a lot. And I think, I mean, for me, I've always tried to keep an open mind and like always try to learn and, you're constantly learning from your teams. And again, it's a give and take. And if you're willing to put yourself out there and you're willing to say you're wrong or you're willing to say like, wow, like, okay, like you need to change things based on what you're saying. I mean, that's when you build something really cool. Yeah. Well, and even the events, like you're saying, you would see not even the clients get so excited, right? You see clients with professional day of the dead painting and something they've never experienced and maybe will never experience again in their life. Who knows? It's a, you know, a remarkable event, but then you have an incredible experiences and, you know, events team who came from luxury events. And I've been at billion dollar companies and have never seen events like the team puts on, which are amazing. But then you see the team there who gets to showcase their country and things that just really excite them, like at those aspects of who they are, which Mm -hmm. is kind of what you're mentioning, which I like, it's just really fun to see their eyes light up to be able to talk about you know, the different foods at Lucha Libre that they're giving out versus what you would maybe see at a concession stand at a stadium in the United States, things like that, or the story and the drama behind some of the characters, you know, um, and just the, just to experience it all together. Um, but just to really showcase who they are, I think is something that no one has really had the opportunity to, to do because it really is a sheltered for them. I need to be this different person to put on so I can have some face time Mm -hmm. and could potentially grow where you're giving them full authority to be who they are. Yep. 
So, and I think from the diversity inclusion side, that was one of the things before I met you that I had heard about where I heard about the culture, but diversity inclusion, the team is built really on people who have the merit and the talent, but maybe haven't been given the opportunity, but also just building this really big team where you have very different backgrounds, opinions that kind of continue to build think maybe things that you or I wouldn't think about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's special, but I, I go a step further. Like Brene Brown has the Atlas of the Heart and she talks about not just diversity, equity, inclusion, but the belonging. And I can totally see that within the group. So how do you do that too at scale? Like as you've grown the Philippines and Mexico and looking to go into other continents and countries, how do you continue to make sure that that vision stays true, like through all the new leadership and everything localized? It's the hardest part to me. It's easy to do things at a certain scale, right? A certain size with a few clients. But you know, how do you sort of stay true to who you say you are at scale, right? Once you start getting some of these bigger clients, you know, how do you how do you do that? And how do you do it in an authentic, genuine way that, you know, your team really truly believes in? It's something that, uh, I mean, I think has put us in the, like, that's what's enabled us to get to this, like, where we're at as a company right now. It's like, all right, how do we keep this going? And, and to me, I mean, the biggest part is it's your leadership team, mm-hmm. right? And, and this is why I think we invest so much in, you know, building country level uh, teams. Like, I, I always say, like, someone from Mexico is always going to be able to manage a team in Mexico better than me. Like, I wasn't born there. I'm not as familiar with the culture there. My Spanish is horrid. <laughs> Um, which is really embarrassing because I took Spanish like through college too. So that, I don't know if that says something about me or not, but, but like, I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, really empowering individuals that I think have that alignment with sort of our vision as a company, as a business. And uh, I mean, it's, I look at some of the different like leaders that we have within the company, you know, one of the individuals we just hired, who's our new global director of customer success, right? He started at and he's based, you know, he's from Mexico, he's based in Mexico city. And but he started as an agent, right? Mm-hmm. He taught himself English when he was an agent. And now he's in a global role. Like, to me, like, there's nothing more inspiring, more motivating than going, hey, like, like companies can say all they want. But like, if they have all these US-based people in leadership roles, it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, like, there's no path for me to get to, I think, where mm-hmm. eventually I want to be. And so I think for us, it's a matter of, you know, empowering individuals that have these talents. And the reality is, and what this has taught me is that talent lives everywhere. It's a matter of finding the right individuals that I think have like philosophically are aligned, you know, with us as a leadership team and what our vision is and really giving them all the resources to do, you know, what they need to do. So, you know, like some of the hires that we're starting to make, finding, you know, finding senior resources country level, right? And more or less looking at individuals that have been there where the agents have been, right? Where I think people, you know, a lot of our team members can see, hey, like if I put in the work, I work hard, I can be at this level, right? So, I think, I think that's a really big part of it. I mean, even just looking at other leaders too, like, you know, our, our, our country manager in the Philippines has done an, an amazing job um, with scaling and building out that business. And, you know, she's been empowered since day one in terms of making a lot of really important decisions. And, you know, yeah, I, I can't really talk about that. And too much, I can't say that she actively transitioned because I feel like that wouldn't be great, <laughs> you know? I understand. Uh-huh. But then from a location standpoint, so... Looking at locations where extend ups is compared to a lot of the competitors, you know, you're in more unique places that seem to be, you know, Puerto Vallarta, Aguas Calientes, like not everyone who's listening is going to know where those locations are. But can you maybe talk a little bit about your strategy in terms of the locations you chose and 
the size of those um, the teams at those locations. Yeah, because I think yeah. that's a lot different as well. Yeah, I think I think for us too, it's just like how we continue to rapidly expand our footprint in a you know a focused but calcul and, and calculated, but also I think you know opening our business up to you know bring on new types of skill sets or leverage different you know things and or different strengths in different markets. So you know for us like as we and we're looking to get into several new countries here in the next you know year or two. But, you know, for us, when we, we first enter a country, we, we look for not like the like main location, right? You think Philippines, you think Manila, right? Mm-hmm. Or you think Mexico, you think Mexico City. So we try to avoid like those very obvious ones because there's just so much saturation there. Mm-hmm. But we've tried to find like the almost the tier 1A, right? Like the Cebus, the Iloilos of the world in the Philippines, right? Uh, Monterey, Guadalajara, and Mexico. And I think for us, what's really important about like selecting those types of locations is us establishing our brand, right? Our credibility. Um, I think it, it's so important in terms of like being able to recruit the very best people into the company, into the business. So we try to start in bigger markets where we'll get, and, and that's where we'll also build some of our country level, you know, leadership teams. Um, a lot of those individuals are, you know, the probability of finding someone more experienced is a lot, you know, higher. And then we, but I think what's cool about that is, you know, I, uh, identifying those teams and hiring those teams, you know, in those locations. And then as we expand, you know, giving them the opportunity to manage multiple locations or to travel those locations, right? Doing a lot of things that we do in the States here, right? Like as you progress in your career, you have more responsibility. You have a larger territory you cover, for example. And, you know, I think we're trying to replicate a lot of the, you know, what's happening in the U.S., you know, at the country level and provide those types of opportunities. So, and then, you know, going to some of the other locations there, it's, you know, they're more strategic decisions. Puerto Vallarta, for example, you know, with the launch of Exo Studios, which is sort of like our own experiential marketing agency within Extend Ops, Puerto Vallarta represented a lot of opportunity from us from an event standpoint. Um, and I think it's also something that, you know, obviously a lot of our clients enjoy. I mean, people usually like the beach and, you know, and sun. So, so we wanted to do that. And also we, we liked the idea that there wasn't any other VPO there. So mm-hmm. it was uh, a nice way to sort of combine uh, launching operations um, work and, and actually like we've built a really strong, awesome team in some of these more strategic locations, but Puerto Vallarta was more focused on, I think, giving Exo Studios more of a platform. Um, whereas like in Aguas Calientes, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity to work with, uh, someone's here. I don't know. I guess is? more people want to come to the, to the podcast here right. in the show. Or they just like, Talent. Well, you know, I talk Puerto Vallarta and all of a sudden the doorbell rings. I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence. They're just coming. Yeah. Right. Talent pipeline is <laughs> right. growing. People are interested in PV, but, um, but then like, I mean, did you say beach? Yeah. yeah. Beach it's sun. Here I mean, alcohol. <laughs> I, I probably want to do that. Right. Yeah. It's like freezing outside right now. Yeah. So, but, um, but like, you know, locations like Aguas Calientes, you know, we, we've had the opportunity to work with different state governments in Mexico and, you know, they've directed us to locations that meet the criteria that we're looking for. And I think being able to take that brand that we establish in these larger markets and bring them to smaller markets really allows us to get some awesome, awesome talent. And, you know, you pair that with some of the tech we're building on the talent acquisition front, and we're not only able to attract, you know, really awesome talent from some of these, like, you know, not as marquee locations, but then we're also able to sort of figure out, you know, who has the highest probability of, you know, being a manager or being a director one day. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the stuff we're looking for. Yeah. Well, and then everyone talks about it and what I'm a big believer in is, happy employees equal happy customers, which is really the end goal for most clients. And so kind of shifting gears to that, like Mm -hmm. thinking about your first client. And then I know even when you talk about the talent, 
and that looks differently. You've actually been able to step outside of true traditional BPO roles. You like to, like you said, break everything since the day you were born, right? You don't want to do it the <laughs> traditional true. way. And so it's looking at that. It's not the traditional only customer care. You do that and you do it really well, but it's customer care. But there's also other avenues that your clients have built that trust with you to now open up other doors for you to also do other work. Do you want to talk a little bit about from a first client to some of that growth with some of those clients? Yeah, I mean, I think our COO always says like the employee, you know, the employee experience will never exceed the customer experience, right? So you have to make sure the team's happy, they're motivated, they feel engaged, they feel a part of it. But I think everything that we do from, you know, site visits to events, right? It's it's this whole concept of one team and everyone feeling like they're part of one team. And like being one team is not always like the cleanest, right? Like communications, a lot of times, like, I mean, I think about like relationships I've had in my life. It's not always like, not always the best conversations to have. Like, I don't always have the best conversations with people, but the reality is like, if you build that trust and that relationship, you can have communication that is honest, that's truthful, right? And I think to me, that's the most important aspect of like being able to work together as one team. But I think for us, what we're focusing on though, is like creating, you know, these different, you know, whether it's events, whether it's a site visit, whether it's just calls, right? But like, how do we create more opportunities for the team to come together and to build that relationship and to build that trust? And uh, I mean, that that's really, I think what everything that we're doing is geared around is like making everyone feel like they're part of something together. I mean, it, it's really looking at different criteria that we're using, utilizing with our assessments or even performance to sort of like understand who's in a position to continue to like, like this person has, you know, potential to be a leader in six months, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so looking to like build a team, like it's almost like it's very much like aspect of team design that we're playing with a lot now where it's, you know, as we get more data on our, our the different people that enter the company, whether it's, you know, their background, their resume, or it's, you know, their performance data out the gate, you know, the first three months it tells a lot about that person. And, you know, I've been a, you know, I've always been a really like big believer in organizational and industrial psychology. And I think, in this space, in this industry, that's incredibly applicable because I mean, the mindset, a lot of the people that, you know, that come work for us at the frontline level, right? Everyone's been sort of trained or programmed to think a certain way. Like in order for me to be a contributor, I have to be a, a manager. I have to be a team lead. I have to be a supervisor, but that thinking's flawed. I mean, the reality is that you can have just as big, if not a bigger impact, if you do QA, right? If you go training or if you go into a whole different role or a whole different position. So for us, it's a matter of sort of figuring out like, you know, who, you know, of the, like, you know, who works for us? Like, you know, what are they, you know, what is someone good at, but also what are they like doing? And like, how do we sort of pair those things together to figure out what the right career track is for them? And I think what's great too in this whole process is you build trust, you build that relationship with the client. And I think as you do that, right, I think with any relationship, new opportunities present themselves or, you know, and you also, you know, strategize and work with your clients and they start thinking of different ways to utilize, you know, you as a company. And, you know, with a few of our customers, there's one customer in particular I'm thinking about. I mean, you know, within the first six months of working with them, I think we've, you know, started supporting, you know, six to eight different uh, lines of business, right? Mm -hmm. From hiring lawyers to hiring nurses right so getting into far more specialized roles but again like in order to get those types of opportunities you need to one prove you can do you know what you do okay. but ultimately it's building that trust right and and knowing that we're going to come through and we're going to deliver and you know we can pilot and try new things yeah well and then you have very different skill sets in the same building who and they're also seeing other people who maybe are aspirational where they're going to grow into other roles maybe it's i know you've talked about some of the roles being even dating coaches yep. or things where they're not traditional, just inbound, outbound phone calls. Yeah. 
And so just kind of looking at the people around them and understanding there's a lot of different opportunities of what I can do at Extend Ops. It's not just the true call center roles that they're used to. Yeah, I think, I mean, to, to me, it's a matter, it's not just like providing, you know, career, like I think people think of career progression in a more vertical fashion, right? Mm -hmm. Like agent, team lead, right? Uh, manager or whatever, right? Whereas I think it, obviously you like that's still the case here, right? We're going to promote people that that you know do well, and you know some people certainly want to go down that track of being management. But I think you know I also look at like sort of horizontally as well as we spin up different you know businesses within our own company, or even like you know I brought up Exo Studio, sort of our own you know experiential marketing agency within the company, and like looking at individuals that you know have the BPO context, but also you know are think outside the box or, you know, or an influencer, right? And like, how do we start leaning into strengths that people already have to help make our company better? And I think the other part of it too is, you know, how do you, again, change that mindset from transactional to career oriented? I mean, the truth, the, the truth of the matter is, right, is like, what does someone ultimately want to do in their life? Like, what do you want to do in the next five years? And like, I think really talking to people and understanding what that is and seeing like how you can align with, you know, what they want to do and where they want to be with like where the company is going is super important. Now, I think the challenge for us is how do you do that at scale? Like now we're getting bigger. And I think for us, though, we see sort of like, and I guess this sort of goes more into the tech and sort of our vision on that front. And I think there's a few different angles we're approaching right now, but I think everyone talks about like people empowerment via tech, right? That's like a big thing right now, but I don't know. I think it's kind of bullshit, to be honest, because I mean, I think it's a really nice like marketing pitch, but in practice, it's not really happening. But like, I'll give you an example. Like we just uh, we just acquired um, a conversational AI company. And so, you know, one of the reasons for that is obviously, I think, to provide more optionality to our, our clients. Right. They have a solution that they can use to you know, automate, you know, tier one support, for example. So, and, and I think for us to be a better partner, having more tech in house allows us to be more objective, you know, with our recommendations. Mm -hmm. I mean, the probability of us making that recommendation and we have that tech in house is much more likely than if we didn't. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's just the truth. So I think, you know, for me, it's a matter of like building sort of tech so that we can be the best partner. But the other side of it, you know, coming back to the empowerment piece is like, how do you use tech to not replace people, but make people better, right? Mm -hmm. Help them do their job better. So, you know, for us too, it's like using that same tech that we acquired to go, all right, like this is a better way that we can create a, a, a better feedback loop, for example, and we can create a better way for people to provide input so that, you know, if, if certain agents are on campaigns and they have really good, awesome insights or recommendations, you know, some, some people may be more introverted and they're not comfortable like speaking up in front of a group, right? Mm -hmm. But they're really comfortable going and using that tech we have to submit you know, their thoughts, their feedback. And it's a way for us not to only like empower people, but it's a way for us to like make the company better by, you know, creating a very safe space for people to contribute. So a lot of our tech is going to be very much geared around helping people realize sort of that, that career progression. Like, where do I stand? You know, what is like, you know, what, when should I expect to get promoted? What do I need to do to get promoted? And, you know, what sort of resources are there to help me get there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think is incredibly important because, most companies, I think the myth or fallacy within CX was all the tools and technology being focused on the end customer. Yeah. When in actuality, most of it, like you're saying, if you can empower that person who's helping the customer mm -hmm. and they have tools that are fast or they have the knowledge that's updated, all of that information in front of them, they can do a lot better job helping the customer that it doesn't always like I, I always look and say 50-50 split of focusing on the technology for the agents or the team and then for the customers because I think we've had too much go in, in terms of focusing on the customer that 
just hasn't leaned the right way to give the tools to actually help solve the problems that are needed. I mean, and look, like, I don't think it's overly complicated, to be honest. Like, we all know, right, there's nothing more powerful than an employee that's all in, right? A really talented employee that's not all in can be just as detrimental as mm -hmm. they are helpful, yeah. right? So, so for us, I think our philosophy is like, how do you recruit the very best people and how do you inspire them, right, to want, like, to want to be all in, right? To want, like, believe, like, hey, like, if I do a good job here, like, not only am I, like, you know, I think supporting an awesome brand, and I'm super passionate, excited about that, but, like, this creates a path for me to progress in my career. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, I think that's what it's all about to me is, like, how do you, like, how do you create that, right? And, like, how do you have people sort of, like, understand that that is possible? And, I mean, I think once you, once you start approaching it that way, I think that's when you start seeing people really perform at a whole different level. And, and then that, that, that's really, I think what we're focused on as a company is like, how do you establish that all in mentality? We're so, like, cause there's nothing stronger than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of thinking, stay wild, everything you already shared, what are, you know, you've done amazing things already, but like when you look out the next few years, what are you hoping to build or what would your ultimate success story be? Like what would make you happy thinking this is what something I created? Well, I mean, drone shows. Um, I, I I like to have our own remote campus, right? Mm -hmm. You know, take a boutique hotel, like a Tulum style boutique yeah. hotel, and turn that into our own like remote campus. I mean, I am serious about those nope. things, but I think coming back to like what we're trying to like, honestly, like for me, it's a matter of building a sustainable business, right? The company that I was first part of that you know wasn't successful. Well, I saw hundreds of people lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, there was like nothing worse than like seeing people that are so dedicated and working so hard, have so little control over what actually happens to them professionally. So yeah. I mean, and, and just to stop you for one yeah. quick second, like I've heard the team even talk about during COVID, you had just really gotten off the ground and you didn't even lose a person because you had a focus on making sure a commitment to the team to make sure everyone stayed employed. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, you know, the the example, I guess, the story, and actually, this is how we got our our head of XS Studios to join the company. Actually, was uh, you know, we had uh, you know, decided to uh, you know find like uh, me and my co-founder split you know split ways, and you know, we had this whole deve developer team that really didn't have a leader, didn't really have much direction, and you know, we were getting hit you know with different you know requests from customers because of COVID. And we we're only five months in at that point, and you know, to me, it was like, people weren't going to find other jobs at that point. Mm -hmm. And so there's like, I think there's a bigger sort of humanitarian obligation we have as a company and as a business working in different countries to make sure, like, if you want to talk about caring about your team, you want to talk about creating culture, like, then fucking do it and yeah. like, take care of people and like, be real about that. Because I'll say this, and this is like a super important point is that the teams are smart. People are smart. And like, they know when you're saying just saying something but they know when you actually mean it, right? Mm -hmm. And like the way you show that, show everyone you mean it is by actually doing it, right? Mm -hmm. It's all, the only thing that matters is action and like doing that and that's where you build that trust. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. drone shows. Drone shows, I mean like, I think in terms of like, you know, where, you know, where to go. I mean, for me, it's always about like creating a sustainable business, right? I think creating diversification at the account level, um, you know, and having, you know, various, you know, campaigns, and different LOBs within those campaigns. But ultimately, I think as we evolve, as we get bigger, you know, I think how do you be, you know, how do you be the best possible partner to your customer? And how do you be the best employer for your employees? And like mm -hmm. balancing those two things. And, and for me too, it's like, you know, as we start, you know, get getting more aggressive on the technology front and bringing more tech into the mix, one, it sort of represents a way that we can diversify our revenue, 
at the same time providing, I think, a more robust you know, solution for our clients that allows them to operate more efficiently, more cost effectively, right? And just more intelligently. Mm-hmm. And then like on the, the employee front too, as we lean more on the tech as well, like, I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, really integrating our people into that tech. And I think that's what's truly going to make it different, which, you know, by doing that is going to create a lot of new types of jobs, right? And I think that's what we're focused on is how do you become more of a tech company in a very services dominated space? Yeah. Awesome. And you're also saying that if you're not a client or if you're not involved, you're probably going to want to ring that doorbell and join because otherwise you're going to miss out on some amazing experience and events Potentially with some drone shows in 2023. I mean, if, if you don't like to win, you know, I mean, probably don't hang out with us. But no, I mean, I, I mean, no, it's just, I mean, it's like, I think it's all about like, work should be fun, right? And like, and, the, and the, like, when you, like, I think every customer that has the opportunity to work with like an outsourcing provider, you have a huge opportunity, not only to like, I think, create a really like awesome, like operation, because I mean, out, like outsourcing is the way to go, right? And like, when you choose an outsourcing partner, like, that in itself should be a competitive advantage for your company, right? The insights, the recommendations, the best practices, like those are things that like, you know, again, my consulting background kind of comes in here where it's like, you have to like always help make your customer better, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, but I also think like the other awesome part of all this is like the opportunity to educate yourself as a person, right? And experiencing, you know, like experiencing the different cultures, experiencing like the different people that support your operation, getting to understand who they are and, you know, how, how they tick. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one, you're where you're going to get just the most out of your people and you're going to create that all in mindset. And two, you're going to hell, you're going to learn a hell of a lot as a person. Like, and I will say my personal growth and my personal evolution, just like putting myself out there and, you know, going to agents' houses to have dinner, right. Getting my haircut from agents mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. You get to have a lot of awesome, like great conversation that, you know, one, you, you create friendships you never thought you'd have, but two, you also better understand that culture. You're better at communicating with people. And ultimately that's the way that you're going to get the most out of each other is figuring out ways to bond, connect over different things and communicate better. So. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on. I'm sure this won't be the last. We'll have some other sessions with you some other time and, and chat a lot more. Yeah. If other, you know, if we don't, if we don't get anyone, anyone to sign up, I can always just come back in, you know, and hang out. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> love the conversation. Yeah. No, always good stuff. No. And thank you so much, Stephanie. It's awesome getting to talk to you about this and having you here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's our show. CX and Chill is a production of Exo Studios, the creative marketing arm of ExtendOps with today's host, Stephanie Todd, Executive Producer, Sean McCreary. Producers, David Spear, Clarissa Coronado, and Mehmoud Davalos. Editors and videographers, Carlos Alfonso and Santiago Aguirre. Graphic support from Jordan Madrid. And social media guru, Claudia Corona. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next time for more CX and Chill.